today on CityCast Denver. Denver's housing problem is out of control. And especially since the pandemic started, life has gotten harder for many people who don't own their homes. Our homes became our sanctuaries and every renter in Denver should be afforded that same right. One member of our city council is pushing new legislation to help fix this problem because for her, it's personal. Um, My husband and I, we lived in a trailer and every time it got down below freezing, the pipes in the trailer froze. And so we wouldn't have water. And you know, if you have a new baby, you, you sort of need water. Today is Monday, April 26, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. <laughs> Let's take a look at the news. Sunshine and warm weather continue today with a high of 76 and some light cloud cover. Three Denver area teens met up Friday evening outside the Capitol to protest the killing of Makia Bryant in Ohio last week. They stayed out all through the chilly night to call for an end to police violence. We're only 17, 18 years old, as Sherry Campbell said. We shouldn't be out here right now. We should be asleep. We should be chilling and not thinking about if my life matters, not thinking about who's next. If you received a vaccine from a clinic called Advanced Urgent Care, you will not need to be re-inoculated, according to state officials. This comes after the state shut down several of these clinics due to temperature issues with vaccine storage. All affected advanced urgent care clinics have been suspended. Have you ever lived in a janky apartment? Mine was in a basement, so it had bugs. And it had a dirt floor entryway. And a bathroom that opened up into the kitchen, which is technically illegal. I lived there for exactly one year and got out as soon as I could. But not everyone can leave places like that. In Denver alone, there are more than half a million rental housing units. And for the people who live in them, there are little to no protections in place to ensure that they're safe and habitable. Well, and I was talking to Megan and I'm like, okay, this is my one day I don't have to get camera ready. Yeah, it's all audio, so okay. no worries. <laughs> Councilperson Stacy Gilmore, who represents communities like Montbello and Green Valley Ranch, wants to change that. Her proposal, which the council will be discussing tonight, would require landlords to apply for a license to rent properties in the Denver metro area. It sounds like a tiny bureaucratic tweak, but she says it'll actually be a big win for renters and the rest of us too. So we're gonna talk about this rental license proposal and I wonder if you could just give us a brief explanation of what exactly it's about. Sure, I'm happy to. This will, for the first time, we will have significant renter protections in the city and county of Denver. And so the first thing that it'll do, it'll ensure that every rental property is meeting our minimum housing standards. And so that's to ensure that they've got uh, water, proper ventilation, are free from pests and mold. And then this will also help us get an accurate count of what our city's housing stock looks like. We've estimated that 
either 37% or 50% of our housing stock in Denver are currently being used as rentals. And so as a policymaker, I need better data to ensure that we're making good decisions to make sure we're keeping people housed. Wow. So it's it's pretty all-encompassing. It's going to do a lot in terms of um, protections for renters, but also give the city some needed data, like you're saying. Um, and I know you said you've been working on this for about two years. Was what was the impetus for this proposal, or sort of where 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 did it come from? Well, a, a lot of different places uh, for you know, to be honest. But, you know, when I first came on to council um, in my first term back in 2015, we were working on a short-term rental license in the city. Yeah, I remember that. So for listeners, that's short-term rentals like Airbnbs. And so that short-term rental license, it's an online portal with excise and licensing and the property owner self-attest that, you know, they've got safe um, entry and exit in the unit, that they've got working smoke detectors, that they've got fire extinguishers, et cetera. And so really we were ensuring, and today we're ensuring more minimum housing standards for people who are short-term renting in our city, and those are mainly tourists and visitors, we're ensuring more of those minimum housing standards, Bree, than we are in our rental properties. And those are folks who are citizens of Denver. And it always seemed off to me that we were doing that. And when I started talking to people and we started researching it, folks warned us away because they said, oh my God, you don't know what you're walking into. All the property owners are going to come after you. Um, They're not going to like you requiring an inspection for them to show that they've, um, you know, met all of these minimum housing standards. And then uh, about Two and a half years ago, uh, we had a rental property in Green Valley Ranch. She was so excited because she thought she found the right rental house in Denver's very tight market. Instead, it became the house from hell. That property was rented to a, a family that had children. They rented it sight unseen because they needed a place to live. And they went in and put down a $2,500 deposit and then paid the first month's rent. So they were in for $5,000. A friend of the renters tested samples, found meth and mold in this house too? Yeah, that's right, Karen. And the family is confined to the living room in only two rooms of the house, really, because the other rooms in the basement smell so bad of mold and urine. It makes them nauseous to breathe it in for too long. It was basically a meth house that had not been remediated. And there were small children living in this home. And there were exposed electrical wires. There were cockroaches. Um, It was sort of the worst of the worst. And in the meantime, City Councilwoman Stacy Gilmore has started following this case. And it took us almost seven months to get that property remediated and taken care of. And so for me, I'm like, why are we doing this retroactively? And the onus is always put on the tenant right. to call and make a complaint. And that just is so backwards because the power dynamic 
I want property owners to have to prove that their units meet those minimum housing standards and take that onus and that stress off of our renters. And then, you know, the last piece is when I was a brand new mom, um, my husband and I, we lived in a trailer. And um, every time it got down below freezing, the pipes in the trailer froze. Oh. And so we wouldn't have water. And, you know, if you have a new baby, you, you sort of need water, you know, right. to mix up formula, to wash your hands, to flush the toilet, etc. It, it's come from a lot of places. But since we've started on this journey, I've heard so many different stories from people who share similar issues and that they just try to live with it because they're fearful of getting evicted if they complain. Yeah, and it's part of the bigger picture I think you're pointing out of the housing crisis is it's not just can you afford a place, can you afford a place that's safe and habitable? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. I know it's probably not decided yet, but are you are you concerned at all that the cost of the licenses will be passed on to the renters? When we crafted this legislation, we just had to make that assumption that property owners were going to pass that on to their renters. And so we uh, kept the application fee the same as it is for short-term rentals. And so it's $50 for the application fee. And then the license fees are for one dwelling unit, it's $50. For two to 10 units, it's $100. And then it maxes out at above 250 units, it's $500. Total or per? Total. Okay. Total. Um, But we tried to keep the fees, like I said, insanely low because we knew that that would get passed on to the renters in some way, shape or form. Councilperson Gilmore, before we go, I just want to thank you for thinking about renters because I feel like their voices are just not heard so often in this conversation. Um, I wondered if you could just speak for a moment on the importance of considering Denver renters now in this moment. I I appreciate that, Bree, because a lot of times renters' voices are ignored or they try to get heard, but then for whatever reasons, uh, you know, it's not included. And for the first time ever, we are really making those protections law in the city and county of Denver. And we need to make sure, especially after living through a worldwide pandemic over the last year, I just asked people to think about for a quick second how important your home was to you and to your family. And if you have children or you're a caregiver for someone who might be more vulnerable, our homes became our sanctuaries. And every renter in Denver should be afforded that same right to ensure that they're living in good conditions. Councilperson Gilmore, thank you so much for joining me. This has been really helpful. Oh, well, thank you for the opportunity and I appreciate it, Bree. Councilperson Gilmore's rental license proposal is going before the rest of council tonight for a first reading. The actual vote is scheduled for May 3rd. That's next Monday. So if you have strong feelings one way or the other, now's the time to reach out to your neighborhood's representative on the council. We'll put a link in the show notes to help you find out who that is. A 
couple of weeks ago, I had my friends Andrew Novick and Danny Newman on the show to talk about Casa Bonita. The restaurant's owners had just filed for bankruptcy, and Danny and Andrew gave us an inside look at their campaign to save it. Now we've got an update on that story for you. For one, their GoFundMe campaign has raised almost $50,000. But also, the president of the company that owns Casa Bonita told Denver 7 that he hopes they'll be able to reopen by Memorial Day. Still, the fate of Lakewood's Disneyland in a strip mall is unclear. Andrew and Danny organized a Save Casa Bonita rally outside the shuttered restaurant on Saturday morning, and we sent CityCast Denver contributor J.D. Lopez to learn more. Hello, this is J.D. Lopez reporting in the field for CityCast Denver at the Save Casa Bonita rally. We got people supporting, okay, we're doing our thing. Let's see if we can talk to some people and see why they care about Casa Bonita so much. So in the eighth grade, I had my first kiss in Blackbird's Cave. So I, I can't let it, can't let it die. Went here a ton when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure I caught salmonella here. Oh, first salmonella. <laughs> yeah, no, I love uh, Casa Bonita and uh, it would just be a huge shame uh, for the city if it, if it went away. Uh, I gotta come out here and support it. Right, yeah, I mean, it says a lot if you got sick, but you're still supporting it, Absolutely, huh? yeah. No, no question. I'll, I'll be here. I, I mean, I'll chain myself to it if they're going to tear it down. That's passion, my man. What was your favorite item on the menu? Obviously, the sopapillas are great. The sopapillas. I love the sopapillas. More sopapillas. Probably the sopapillas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the margaritas, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got to talk about the fried ice cream. Ah, uh, that's a first. Yeah, By yeah. far, fried ice cream. Yeah, no, everybody goes for the sopapillas. But if you don't get a fried ice cream on the side, you're not doing it right. I'm ass. Okay, so um, in the early 80s, my best friend and I started working here. She trained me on Halloween night. Well, we lost contact with each other years later. Uh -huh. We reconnected. We didn't know each other. Was in Colorado going to Casa Bonita. We were in line. We turned around. We saw each other. Oh. Years later, we still stayed in touch. She needed a liver transplant. Oh, dang. I was her donor. No way. Yep. So, it, in a sense, Casa Bonita saved her life. Yeah, I actually used to work there uh, oh, from wow. 2003 to 2008. Yeah, it was a really great time. I had a lot of fun, met a lot of good friends that I'm still talking to today. And it's my mom used to work here, too. So, it's it holds a really close value to my heart. So, uh, Is there a myth, mythos to Black Bart or anything? That people might not know about? Uh, so Black Bart, actually, uh, he first started uh, hiding his treasure here at uh, Casa Bonita when he first started moving out to the West. He found his cave over here right under, uh, it's called Black Bart's Cave. And so if you go in there, you might find his treasure or you might get a little lost. So watch out for the bottomless pit in there too. You ever get scared of going to Black Bart's Cave when you were a kid? Oh yeah, I never went through it. I actually was a little bit, but uh, you know what? I've grown up and I can oh, I can handle I can it. Handle as long it. as I've got a buddy with me, I can totally handle that right. cave. Yeah, we got a guy in a monkey suit here. Can I ask why, why you're in the suit? Um, well, I am Bananas. The uh, official mascot of Casa Bonita. Okay. And the, I, you, do you, re you don't recognize Bananas? No, I'm sorry. I knew the other monkey. The, the okay, yeah. So Chiquita's the gorilla. Bananas is the orange monkey. When I did my 300th visit to Casa Bonita, my big party, I wanted to restore the old Bananas costume because it was pretty beat up and um, they weren't using it anymore. And so um, my friend offered to make a new one. We want to get um, as much awareness as we can and support and hopefully uh, bring it to local ownership. Well, just uh, log on to cosmonita.org, check out the people that are involved and why we want to try to save Cosmonita, why we want to bring it local, get this money into the local economy, make it employee owned potentially. I mean, we could do so many great things. Keep it the same, keep the kitsch, update it to the 21st century, bring in some good food. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that's all, all right. right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Andrew Novick in the monkey suit and J.D. Lopez in the field for CityCast Denver. 
And that's all for today here on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and maybe send a link to a friend and ask what they think about Stacey Gilmore's rental licensing idea. You can also subscribe to our snazzy morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. snazzy (laughs) is that like an 80s word i feel like snazzy is such an 80s word